0: something that I've been waiting to talk to you guys about for a while. Um, I've been doing a Bible reading plan for the year, to do a Bible in a year, and this is in Joshua, so it's been a long time coming for me, because I'm clear over now. But um, anyway, okay. So I wanted to ask you if you guys feel comfortable sharing some of the things, what did you write down of things that have marked you in your own life? Does anybody want to share? Things that have marked you in your life, whether that's, you know, divorce, whether it's your parents, or maybe it's like a church split, or you getting saved, or like, you know, whatever it may be. Things that have marked you in your life that you look back, when you first think, what are some memories you have? They're like some of your really guiding memories, or like things that you have put up in your heart that you always refer back to. Does that make sense? Either or, just things that have marked you. Okay, so I'm just gonna, as you guys raise your hands, um, Josh was very excited, so I guess I'll go start with him.
1: Um, so this is still roughly, or still hard to talk about, but that would have to be my attempted suicide. Uh, that was a turning point for me in my life, because... I was literally at the end of my rope and um, I had two two options, essentially. You know, give up or press into God and um, because I chose to press and God has directed the path that I'm on now. Yeah. Um, and so while it was hard yeah. and not necessarily a good thing. Um, I think it was something that that had to happen, that I had to deal with.
0: Yeah, like you had to deal with it. I mean, it was rough that it went that
1: way, but right. But, it but was, it's it's it something. Confrontation. For sure. Right. Yeah. It, it was something that you know <laughs> the enemy meant for evil, mm-hmm. uh, but God turned around for good, yeah. and so.
0: Anybody
2: else want to share something? Sure. Yeah, so that way I oh, can just hear. So cordless, right? no, just so that yeah, Listen louder. What? Is it? Oh, that actually works a little better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, so for me, it's kind of two. I'm going to say kind of, they're, they're tied to the same event. So when I first came to Christ, I think I was in like the fourth or fifth grade, and it really was just on a whim. It was just like, I don't, I, I don't even think I knew who, like, what Jesus had actually did. It was just like, hey, I heard you're an option, you know. I was just like, I heard Jesus <laughs> yeah. you know, And it was this just like, you know, it was just, I just wanted to be a better, I don't even know why he said it, but it was just like, God, I just want you to make me a better person, amen. And he did 2 thi- he, he did two things in my life. Number one, he had me start working at a food bank when I was in the fifth grade. And looking back at it now, it was, that was him giving me, showing me the gift of me serving people. And then the other one was he had put My Little Pony in my life. And I know it's, I know it sounds really weird, but it's, I just, I got, it it helped me be a better person by having these like core elements of just being a nice person. Don't lie, don't steal, you know, being nice to your friends, you know, sharing what you have. And honestly, those things, you know, help, you know, they've stuck around with me. So those are, like, the two biggest, probably the two biggest positive influences in my life. So, word.
0: Thank you for sharing. Anybody else want to share what they got? Oh, come on. Uh,
2: Hello, hello. (laughs) 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 Hello. All right. Uh, I deserve that one. (laughs)
0: Turn it off on me this morning.
2: Uh, I did. It was funny. <laughs> well, because uh, you were really loud. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry about Hannah. She's really quiet. Because <laughs> I turned you really up, and then all of a sudden it's like ah. <laughs> it's who I am. <laughs> I love you anyway. Um. <laughs> what was? Oh yeah. I, I lost my train. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So the one I always go back to is what happened with me in the army. Um, you know, just really feeling like that was what God had planned for me and kind of planning my whole future around it. And then getting there on my day to leave for basic training and the door getting very slammed shut in my face. It was, it's just a, I don't want to say traumatic, but I mean, it kind of was, but it really started me on the path that I'm on now because sure, it started a downward spiral, but the end result of that downward spiral was coming to Christ Mm -hmm. in a very personal, intimate way. And one of the things that, the Lord spoke to me recently uh, during the week of Pentecost when I was fasting and praying. Was I had a very clear memory of being outside of the recruitment center, just on the back wall, right after I got the news, and I just broke down, started crying, and I got a very clear picture of Jesus just holding me, crying with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, it was it was a perspective of that event that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, that's so tender.
0: That's good. Anybody else, Seth? So- <laughs> I just don't want to have to come back this direction unless everybody has shared. Is everybody good on this side? Yeah, you guys are good? Okay, has anybody over here wanted to share? Anything in their life that has marked them for good or for bad? Whatever. Isaac's saying Mark. Mark, do you want to share? Okay, here you go.
3: So, so here's what I heard, um, five things that mark me, uh, what I dwell on when I'm making decisions, because I thought I heard you say that sentence. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so there are a couple of things. One, one of them is my divorce it has really marked me. And uh, so there's longing for new relationship, but, but incredible terror. At the same time, and uh, in you know, man, rejection sucks, um, and and it is painful, you know. But we still have to learn how to deal with it. <clears throat> Another thing that I think about a lot is my own death, because I don't I don't have that long left. And <laughs> well, it got way, it yeah well n- nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Okay, but you know at the same time I think it you know Caleb who he didn't come into his inheritance till he was 87, and still had an exceptionally long time to actually enjoy it after being promised it at 40. Yeah. And and I think part of that is is looking back on life and there were things. <clears throat> but I felt like the Lord had said, but I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for, for that to happen. Does that make sense?
0: Was it um, Isaac who was, like, uh, thinking he was on his deathbed, and then it ends up he lived for, like, a heck of a lot longer? Was that him? <laughs> who was like, give me my sons. I'm ready to give them the blessing. And then he lived for like a crap ton longer. Yes, 40 years. I mean, imagine that. Some of you guys are like 20. That's double your lifetime that he lived longer. It's a long time. It's really, really shooting low. (laughs) Anyway, um, okay. I think it's really important that we're honest with ourselves during this time. Because um, you could write down your salvation and just kind of like crapshoot off a couple of things that sound good or sound right. But it's really important that we introspect when we think about what marks us. Um, Because oftentimes, the things that we are marked by are either things that people have done to us, mistakes or failings that we ourselves have made, or things that have happened to us in our lives. And the problem is, is when we let those things... Be the things that mark us, it really affects the way that we live. Um, So because I've been reading this Bible in a year, I've been obviously reading through the start of Israel, and the start of them leaving Egypt, and then getting into the promised land, and then fighting and conquering the promised land, all that stuff. And I noticed something was really interesting, because those people went through a lot of stuff, a lot of crap. And when I was reading through Joshua, I noticed the problems that they've had and also the things that they did really well. And um, I started to notice a theme as to um, what marked them. Their markers are very, very interesting because the people of God, the people in Israel, um, had a lot of things that they could have marked their lives by that would have been negative. A lot of things that would have been marked by... Um, things that have happened to them, mistakes that they've made, and things that have happened to them, but instead they chose to be marked by something else. And um, I just saw that as a theme over and over again. The things that they set up, either an altar or a memorial, were not like when they got defeated at AI. You guys remember that? When the Israelites went to AI and they got like, like really ran over. They, they didn't use that as a time to set up an altar or to set up a memorial. Oftentimes, we'll set up memorials in America, especially, it's really common for our people to set up memorials for people who have died, right? Like oftentimes, after war, we'll set up memorials for people, and we'll use that to mark us as a people, to say, I will remember this. And those things that you remember really fuel a lot of your decision-making. And um, anyway, so our markers will lead and guide all of our decisions, and especially, especially our daily ones, especially the ones that we're not like, okay, I really got to make sure that I ask God what to do before I do this. I'm talking about a lot of our unconscious decisions that we make from day to day, a lot of them are fueled by our markers. A lot of them are fueled by these, I will remember this. I will keep this as a core of who I am. So our markers really determine the way we live all of our lives. It's not just the big decisions. It's those daily decisions. It's those daily things. Like today, Anna and I, set up the sanctuary. For the most part, we had a little bit of help, but it's those markers in our lives that really fuel those decisions. It's the marker of, okay, so just a really casual thing. Isaac and I, for a long time, have really had crappy phones. I mean, just terrible battery life, and that, in a way, has marked us. We have good phones now. We just got them last week, but I'm telling you, the amount of times that I run to the charger to charge it It's constantly, and Isaac's like, that's really not good for your battery life. You're at like 80%. Why are you charging your phone right now? And I'm like, because I have been marked. I have been marked by the last phone that I had, and the last phone that I had was not a good time, and because it was not a good time, one time Anna mentioned today, my phone was at 60%. I turned on the camera, and my phone died. I'm not kidding you. I had to constantly have that thing charged. And because of that, it has marked me in the way that I view cell phones. Now when I look at cell phones, I think I have to constantly be near a charger. I'm always um, trying to reserve battery life. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm not taking pictures because it will drain my battery. And it has marked me. It makes it, unconscious decisions that I make with this phone are affected because of my old crappy phone. Does that make sense? Okay, so what I'm saying is that take the big decisions away. How do you live your life? What are you marked by that shifts the way that you live your life? Do you avoid people who look homeless because you're scared of this, that, or the other thing? Are you not wanting to talk to your family because you're marked by the pain that they've given you? Are you... Do you you see what I'm saying? These unconscious markers, we build up altars. We build up memorials to these things, these crappy things that have happened to us. When I look at the people of Israel, that's not their story. And I wanted to mention a couple of instances in Joshua that really tie together times that they built stuff up. Okay, let's see. Okay, so Joshua 3 and 4. So this is at a time where they're just starting to go into the— they're crossing the Jordan to start their conquest. So, like, they've been spending all this time out in the freaking middle of nowhere, and they're finally starting to have their conquest, where they're getting ready to start conquering the land. Does that make sense? Just to set a tone for you. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so God tells Joshua that it's the rainy season, and so the Jordan River is really high, and there's no way that they can take themselves and all their stuff and all their kids and all of uh, their belongings through the Jordan River. And isn't it interesting that God takes them through in the in the rainy season when the Jordan is high? But um, okay, this is what God tells him. He tells them that they need to take a bunch of dudes because they have the Ark of the Covenant, which is just a fancy thing to talk about the presence of God. It was like in a physical form back then. And so they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they put it on the shoulders of 12 guys, and God's like, take the Ark of the Covenant, put them on these poles, and take 12 guys— and you guys are going to go before and they're going to stand in the middle of the water and you're going to watch what I'm going to do. And so they do that. They stand in the middle of the water. And while they're standing there, all of the water comes up and separates, just like the Red Sea did back in the day. And so the, the place separates and then everybody, it's so funny. It says that, um, let me see. Okay. Where is that part? Mm. There. No, it's just, I thought this was funny. In verse 10 it says, the people passed over in haste. I just thought that that was funny. <laughs> the people of Israel, like they're going through this water and they're not like, whoa, look how wonderful. Look at this water separated. They're like <laughs> running their way. They're trying to get through as fast as possible. Anyway, um, okay. So after that, God basically tells them to take 12 giant stones out of the middle where the Ark of the Covenant was. So all the dudes who were standing in the middle of the river as they passed through, they each took 12 stones after they brought the Ark of the Covenant over. They each took 12 stones from the middle and brought them over to the water's edge and basically made a memorial. It says, um, and when he said to the people of Israel, oh, this is sorry, chapter 4, verse 21 through the end. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters over the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So they made a memorial at this time. And I just think it's so, it, when, when I read it, it really struck me as interesting, because um, they started their conquest, they started their time with a memorial to the Lord. And at the beginning of seasons, how important it is that we rely on the Lord, hear his voice, and put up a memorial. And uh, that one doesn't have a whole ton to do with my sermon, but I just think that story is so interesting and beautiful. More than teach-worthy, it's just beautiful. And it's a good reminder for us as we walk into new seasons and as we walk into new moments. To really take time um, to—it says— The hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And I just think that's just so beautiful. Okay, next we're going to skip over and we're going to skip over to Joshua 8. But the context of this one is talking about Israel who was defeated at AI. If you guys don't know, they went into the promised land, they defeated somewhere, and when they defeated that place, that city, the first city they came to, they defeated it. And there was this dude, bless his heart, who decided to take some stuff. And it's very interesting because it just says that he saw it. When, when they are getting ready to stone the dude, he's like, Yeah, I saw it, and I liked the way it looked, and I wanted it, so I took it. And that's literally the reason that he gave for taking these things. And how true is that in our lives so many times? But so, they get defeated, they find out it's from this guy, they stone the guy, and then they go back in um, to defeat the people. And so, before they go to defeat the people, they get brutally defeated in chapter 7. And um, 36 of their men died, and Joshua, basically after they got defeated, went on his face and was like, God, why have you brought me out here? Why have you brought us out here over the Jordan, did all these miracles just so we could die? Do you not love us? Should we have just stayed out in the desert? And God's like, get up off the ground, you fool. Somebody has been disobedient. So they take the dude, they kill him and his family, sorry about it, it's the Old Testament, and um, they go back into Ai, And they destroy him. I mean, they just really destroy him. So after they're done with that, in chapter 8, starting in verse 30, it says, At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel as, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool, they offered on it a burnt offering to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. In my opinion, oftentimes we lead our decisions based off of where Joshua was when he said, God, why have you brought me out here to die? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so when I was at the Honor Academy, which is a Christian internship, I felt like God told me that I was going to be on something called the ministry team. That didn't happen. And I cried out to the Lord, and I said, why have you brought me out here to die, basically? And that moment has caused a lot of my decision-making to be harder. But God came through for me after that. He put me on another team, and because the decision was out of my control, because I believe God puts free will into men's hearts, um, God rewarded me, and I got to be on stage for years for the ministry team after that. But oftentimes in my life, what I allow to mark me is the moment where Joshua is right here before they go in again. And I say, God, why, why have you forgotten me? where are you right now? And I allow those moments to mark me instead of waiting for the end of the story. And um, so if you feel like you're in a moment where you're in the middle of the story instead of the end, and you feel like, God, why have you brought me out here to die? I just really believe that this moment is for you. And Chris Valatin always references the, if it's not good, then it's not the end, because he brings up in, Roman, in Romans 8:28, it says, For we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And he, he mentions that, well, if it's not good, then it's not the end. So if you feel upset, like Joshua was, where he's like, why have you brought me out here to die? What's going on? Um, then it's not the end. And don't put up your memorial yet. Don't put up your altar yet, because it's not over. And so they put up the altar of a peace offering with God, and then from that moment, because they allowed that moment to mark them and define them, it put them on a, like, just, I, I want to say killing spree, but that doesn't feel right. Whatever the good equivalent of that is, winning spree, where they basically conquered Like a crap ton of cities. I mean, just a ton of cities they defeated after this. Just over and over. These people were unstoppable because they allowed this moment where they were defeated in AI, and the one guy took a piece of gold and a robe, and then he had to suffer the consequences for it. When they made things right with the Lord, and they allowed that moment to mark them, it made them prosper for a long time after that. Okay. And I have so many different ones I could share, um, but uh, I guess I'll just end with the. I'll do the last one. Okay, Joshua twenty-four. There's a lot of good stuff in Joshua, guys. Okay. So basically Joshua in this story is getting ready to die. And he's like, listen you guys, you guys need to make a decision because I'm getting ready to die, whether you're serving my God or whether you're serving the pagan gods in the land. And um, so he basically says, make your decision now. Figure it out, and then we'll figure it out together. And they basically said in verse 23, yes. Well, I guess I could do it before then. Hold on. Um, Okay, we could do start in verse 16, and then skip over. Okay, then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in the sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples whom we passed." And the Lord drove out before us the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land, and we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Okay, and then, um, so basically he's like, okay, cool, cool. And then in verse 26, 26, it says, And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and set it up there under the terabineth. I don't know, I'm, I'm Terebinth. Okay, I'm not from Israel. I don't know what to tell you. That was the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And then he died. All right, all right. So um, they allowed that moment to mark them, and that moment echoed, all of these moments echoed for generation after generation after generation. And you could say the same thing about your seasons of life, that through every season of your life, if you allow not just the middle moments, but the end moments, if you allow the moments where God has come through for you, if you allow those moments to really guide you and define you, then you'll see that those little moments, like maybe, okay, so maybe for a while you had a porn addiction, and that porn addiction really marks you in all of your decisions, but God set you free of that porn addiction, and you just have the shame of it echo in every area of your life. Well, that's not God's best for you if he set you free from that. And so I just want us to take a little bit of time in our groups, in these two tables, To really talk about the ways that God wants to redeem this in our lives. To talk about the way that we want him to change this in our lives. Because these things, I cannot emphasize this to you enough, they matter. And they matter in our daily stuff. Like, maybe you're struggling with something now. And the reason why you're struggling and why you feel like you can't get free from it is because you don't believe that if it's not good, then it's not the end. Because you haven't felt like you've seen that in your past. But I just want us to take some time to really assess it, because you guys, it really, really matters. It doesn't just matter for the big stuff, but it matters for our character. It matters for the foundation of our lives. Isaac was talking about foundations today, and it matters in prayer. It matters in our community. It matters in all this stuff that we that we want and we say we want to have. What echoes through our life will change the way that we live. And even if, okay, so Mark, even if, you know, you never get married again, you want to have intimate relationships again. You want to have friendships where you feel like you can be yourself and close to people again. Like, you want to have, that stuff will echo, and it will keep echoing until you l- allow God to redeem it like Luke did with that moment where he was standing, you know, sitting broken hearted. So I just wanted us to take some time to do that.